so the first time that I had ever come here and heard Reverend Frank preach, uh, I was struck immediately by what he said. I'm sure he'd be amused by this story today. I don't think I've really ever told him this story. I was sitting in one of the back corners trying to uh, be inconspicuous about my attendance because I wasn't quite sure yet if this was going to be my, my spiritual home or even just one of my homes at all. I was sitting there wondering about theology, wondering about the community, what people did, what people thought, how they acted. I was wondering about the answers that this community had to provide. So I was sitting back there listening to his words, hanging on, looking for that golden nugget. And what I remember from that sermon is a story he told about the Simpsons. <laughs> uh, apparently, in one of the episodes, uh, Bart Simpson is playing a video game with his neighbors, the super Christian ones. And they were playing a game called the Christianizer 5000. Or, or something like that, where, where they shot Bibles at heathens and converted them to Christianity. And, and, and apparently, uh, apparently Bart started playing and he nicked one and he was all excited. And, and the Christian neighbor said, no, no, you didn't make him a Christian. You nicked him. You turned him into a Unitarian. And, and, and of course, this is what I remember from Frank's sermon. So, so, of course, many years later now, now that I've, I've come to be able to claim this place as my home, now I'm thinking about that story again and, and wondering to myself, what would it look like if they were playing the Unitarianizer 5000? I mean, what, what messages would we have to spread? I mean, hopefully in a little less fire than when ready kind of way. So I started thinking about this word I was introduced to in seminary called gospel. I feel funny when I hear it, and it feels weird when I say it. But after talking to a bunch of people who were Christians in seminary and Christians in pulpits, I've started to become more comfortable with the word. A definition that, that I heard quite often that I've come to love is good news that's worth sharing. And when I think about that definition and I look around at this church, at what it does, what it says, I see so many gospel messages. And these are messages that I am proud of, messages that I love to share with people when they ask about this church. And so I was reflecting on this one's theme, community. And I couldn't help but thinking about one of those core gospel messages for me, from this community that I felt the very first day I got here. It's a message that I share with others as often as I can. It's our gospel of a healing community. It's important, I, I feel, to think about a healing community as good news. When I look around the world, the country, the state, the neighborhood, I don't always see healing. I mean, just watch the news for five minutes, and I'm sure you'll know what I'm talking about. Just the actions that are committed alone can cause so much pain. But I think there's even more than just the actions. 
There are messages that our society gives people, gives us, that cause pain as well. There are so many toxic messages that we are inundated with daily, like be white, be straight, be male, be cisgender, be your parents' biological child, be wealthy, be affluent, be successful, and so many other messages that I can't even think of right now. These are messages telling us who we need to be. They're also telling us who we aren't. When we aren't these people, when we don't fit into these messages that society puts into our minds, there are repercussions. There will be rallies, and there have been rallies, for white supremacy, and Black Lives Matter banners will get torn down. There will be the propositions put forward for straight pride parades. There will be open questioning and even blaming of sexual harassment victims. There will be passing jokes in movies about how the odd child is the adopted one. There may even be people following others in stores because they don't trust you. These are real repercussions that scream at us that we aren't good enough the way we are. These messages break us. These messages shame us. The word shame is really important. And it usually comes with another word, guilt. And while guilt and shame may look similar, I feel like they are two distinct things. Guilt is about an action. I can feel guilty that I did something or that I didn't do something. I can feel guilty that I did something bad. But shame goes to who you are. Guilt says you did something bad while shame says that you are something bad. We know how to fix guilt, it's forgiveness. When we feel guilty about something, we know that we've done wrong. We need to be forgiven. Or when somebody has done us wrong and they feel guilty, in order to help them, we need to forgive them. Shame, however, shame is a different animal. Think about how it sounds when shame is forgiven. I am a bad person. That's right. I forgive you for being a bad person. What changed there? Nothing. Because you still view me as a bad person. And if I am inherently bad, then no matter what you say, that dynamic won't change. If me being simply who I am is what makes you upset and what makes you act against me, then nothing I do can ever change that dynamic. If I do something wrong, you can forgive the action. While that action may still hurt, we can move on. But shame, nothing changes, because I am still bad. So if forgiveness doesn't fix shame, then what does remedy it? Well, it's acceptance. It's radical acceptance. 
It is the ability to look into someone's eyes and say that they are loved. To mean that statement with all your heart and then to act that way. It is to choose values and then follow through with them. It is to value the inherent worth and dignity of every person. To act with justice, equity, and compassion in human relationships. And to accept one another and encourage each other to spiritual growth. If these ideas sound familiar, they, they should. They're the first three principles in our Unitarian Universalist Association. And, and if, if you want to, in the back of the Murray Room, there are these little business cards that have the principles, all seven of them, on them. Feel free to grab one. But notice how important these values are to our church. The very first thing we claim is to value the inherent worth and dignity of every person. There is no asterisk. There is no explanation. There is no definition. This goes beyond all adjectives. I think this is even more evident in that third principle. Acceptance comes first, and then is encouragement to spiritual growth. How can I encourage you to spiritual growth if I don't accept you for who you are first? When I hear this, I feel like that is saying that I am here for you and you are here for me. We are here to support each other, even though we look different, love different, sound different, believe different, or come from different places. This is the wonderful thing in the writing of Al-Hajj Malik al-Shabazz, also known as Malcolm X. In his letter from the Hajj, the mandatory pilgrimage to Mecca that all Muslims must take at least once in their lives, Malcolm X got to see that third principle alive in the Islamic community. He saw radical hospitality between Muslims who formed a family of all different races and colors. And he points that out. Think about this. The races and colors are not hidden. They're on display. And they're accepted. They are viewed as siblings, and they are treated as such. Listen to his words again when he says, there were tens of thousands of pilgrims from all over the world. They were of all colors, from blue-eyed blondes to black-skinned Africans. But we were all participating in the same ritual, displaying a spirit of unity and brotherhood that in my experiences in America had led me to believe never could exist between the white and non-white. Why was it that in his experiences in America, what was it that would make him believe that this was impossible? I don't know if my words can adequately describe the images I've seen and stories I've heard about living under Jim Crow, never mind everything that came before and led up to it. Malcolm X and others were hated because of who they were, 
not because of actions they took. They were shamed. There was nothing they could do to change that. So imagine the difference that Malcolm X felt when he was on the Hajj in Mecca. He went from a society that deemed him worthy of inherent hate because of who he was to a society that saw him as a brother and accepted him, welcomed him, and included him. This experience forever changed him. So while I cannot speak for all Unitarian Universalists, I can speak for me. I can say that this church did something similar for me. I can say that outside these walls, I felt that there were parts of me that did not fall into those messages that I felt inundated with, that society deemed appropriate. I hid them because I never met truly anyone because I was afraid of the repercussions of what would happen. Those messages were clear to me. My whole self was not welcomed. But then I came here. I came to a church that said I had inherent worth and dignity, that they would treat me well and accept me for who I was, and this was before I even walked in the door. And then I came here, and this church lived up to its promises it made to me. I have become more myself here than anywhere else. This church has helped me heal from the wounds society inflicted upon me. This community helped mend my soul. This is why I think Starhawk's words are so incredible. Hear her words again, if not just for me. She writes, we are all longing to go home to some place we have never been, a place half remembered and half envisioned we can only catch glimpses of from time to time. Community. Somewhere there are people to whom we can speak with passion without having the words catch in our throats. Somewhere a circle of hands will open to receive us. Eyes will light up as we enter. Voices will celebrate with us whenever we come into our own power. Community means strength that joins our strength to do the work that needs to be done. Arms to hold us when we falter. A circle of healing. A circle of friends. Some place where we can be free. This poem by Starhawk speaks to so much here. It puts into a poetic picture what a healing community looks like, a place where individuals can heal from their pain and suffering, a place where people are celebrated for simply owning who they are, a place where we can be free. Our church has the resources to feed this gospel. Let us not be afraid to own this gospel as a gospel of our church. The world is hungry for good news like this. The world needs more spaces like this church. We are a church of an open mind, a loving heart, and helping hands. And may we never forget the power that offering that space has for people. May we always be ready and willing to welcome those who come through our doors. 
May we always be ready and willing to make room at our table, change the menu, speak their language, and help them feel at home. This is good news. Let us share it. Amen.